0: Today's reading is uh, from the Acts of the Apostles. Life among the believers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the
1: proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent
0: much time together in the temple, Broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the
1: goodwill of all of the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their
0: number those who were being saved. The word of God is Amen. <laughs> so, uh, you may know that I um, just got back to Chicago a few days ago. I was in London, or actually I was in England for about 10 days, and um, I was there as part of a pilgrimage. Um, you may or may not know that uh, Urban Village is part of the United Methodist Church, and um, Methodism was essentially kind of started and founded by a guy named John Wesley in the 18th century. John is the brother Charles Wesley in the 18th century in England. And so I went there, I went last summer, some of you may know I went there last summer to go on a pilgrimage uh, myself. I was a pilgrim of sorts as we were going to different sites that were influential in John Wesley's life and the life of the start of the Methodist church. Uh, This time I was invited back to go and help be a facilitator of sorts for people who are just starting out in church planting, for those who don't know, Urban Village is a church that I helped find found with my good friend Trey Hall, and uh, so they invited Trey and myself and a couple of others to come and facilitate some discussions for these young church planters who are just starting out, and uh, it was a great experience. And sometimes when I mention pilgrimage. Uh, It's a word that people aren't terribly familiar with. They aren't exactly sure what a pilgrim is or what a pilgrim does. Uh, You may think if someone goes on a pilgrimage, there's a lot of very holy things going on. Uh, That they are praying every day, uh, that they are getting up early and maybe going for long walks, uh, really diving into the scriptures to do all of these things that a religious pilgrim would do. And uh, one of the things this year that I discovered uh, that one, uh, or the leader of this whole thing, is a guy named Craig Brown. He's a pastor of First United Methodist Church in San Diego, California. And uh, when he goes on pilgrimage, he's had a few of them now, uh, he does something and he makes sure he does it every single day, which was a new thing for me. I didn't know he did this on pilgrimage, but he's a firm believer. And there's a picture I've got here of Craig. That's Craig on the right. Uh, Craig eats ice cream every single day of the pilgrimage. And this is a picture taken of a pilgrimage that he used to, or they led once before. <laughs> he said this, that he has to, I don't know why he does this. I don't know if it has any spiritual significance at all. But it's something that he feels like he must do. So there were some chilly rainy days when we were in England. But uh, he was there every day eating his ice cream. And so if you think about that, eating ice cream on your pilgrimage, you might think to yourself, "Well, oh, what kind of discipline really does it take uh, to do that, to eat ice cream in this way? But we think about other things, perhaps uh, on our own pilgrimages of sorts, the day-to-day journey that we take with Christ in our own faith lives, and the things that we want to be intentional about. Sometimes it may seem Uh, a little out there, or you might think like, well, I can probably do that, eat ice cream every day on my own pilgrimage. But some other things, too, that we want to be intentional about in our own lives, things that we want to make sure that we are disciplined in doing, things that we want to take on, and you may some things may be coming to your mind right now. Uh, I listened to the Freakonomics podcast, and uh, their most recent one was about how to be more productive. And so all of these hints and things that they wanted to make more to be more productive, and they had this a series of things that people wanted to be intentional about and be more productive about. And that was like learning a language, or making sure that they're being intentional about reading to their children, or cooking this new meal, or whatever it is. They wanted to be more productive and more intentional in the things that they did. I'm curious. If, Today's board, going to be to, a little bit more, uh, not necessarily give and take, but I'm gonna, in a few minutes, I'm gonna invite a couple of people to come down here. I'm gonna do an interview with them. Before I do that though, I'm curious, if anyone feels uh, compelled to do so, what is something that you are wanting to be intentional about in your, oh, and it doesn't have to be a good God thing or a faith thing, anything like that, but to be more particular, be more int- intentional about, what's something that you wanna be intentional about? Anyone? Yes, Giving back to those that back to those may not have more, okay. Anyone else? Exercise, that's a good one, yes. Any others? Putting the phone down when you need to exercise. That that's an excellent one, yes. Yeah. Reading more. What's that? Reading more. Reading more. Yeah. All things that we have in our mind, oh, I would love it if I could do these things and be intentional about them. And I also think probably sometimes that does come up in our faith lives, too. We think about, oh, I would love to do X in my faith life. And they sometimes, when I talk to people, they feel bad that I'm not doing X in my faith life. And that might be praying, uh, where, uh, I wish I could just pray more. I wish I could take some time, I, and then they may, I don't know how to pray, or I don't have the time to do it. Some people will say, oh, I wish I could read the Bible more, but the Bible is so intimidating, and I'm so busy in my life, and so they have that. I would love to be intentional about that. There are other things that we name in our faith lives that we want to be intentional about that I wish would be a, a higher priority for me. I think one thing that you probably rarely hear if you talk to someone about how what's something in your life that you can be more intentional about in your faith life, I don't think probably you hear very often someone saying, I want to uh, make and build spiritual friendships. We can come up with a laundry list of other things when you think about I want to be intentional about this in my faith life, but building friendships probably isn't something that we name. Now we know that friendships are good, friends that we have in the faith, but how often do we actually make them a priority? How often are we actually intentional about making and building these friendships that we have in our faith life? And that's what I wanna talk about today. Darren mentioned earlier that we're in, uh, today's the last Sunday in the series called FaceTime overcoming loneliness together, and what it means to make and build friendships, especially friendships today. I want to focus on friendships that we have in the faith. So I want to take a look first at this passage that Danny read for us today, Acts 2. Uh, he read 43-47. I want to tack on one verse at the very beginning of that, verse 42, and that says this, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, what is they? A little bit of background here what's going on. So Acts was written, if you look in the back of your Bible in what's called the New Testament, and you notice at the very beginning of the New Testament, there are four books that are called Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you go up to John, then there is something called the Acts of the Apostles that Jenny spelled out for us today. And you may not know that the author, most scholars believe that the author of Luke wrote the book of Acts. So Luke uh, wrote, was a, a prolific writer, so he kept on going about, so what happened? So Luke and the other gospel writers are talking about, this is who Jesus is, what his life was all about. They talk about his death, his resurrection. And you may wonder, well then what happened? Well, Luke also wanted to make sure that you knew, this is what happened next. So it continues as we read through the book of Acts. And the big thing at the beginning of chapter 2, you may have heard of the word Pentecost before. Something we celebrate in the church. Actually, it's one reason why we're having our birthday this year on May 15th. Sometimes people say that Pentecost is the birth of the church. And so we thought it would be a good idea to celebrate the permanent birthday on Pentecost. Pentecost is a time where we read in the scriptures where the Holy Spirit comes upon people and just changes and messes everything up. People begin to understand each other in different languages and they're wondering about certain things and they don't know what's going on and the Holy Spirit comes and this big fruit salad of faith that's happening. And so this is happening and people are understanding and doing and their lives are being transformed and then we get to the end of chapter 2 and we begin to find out well this is what the first communities of people who are following Jesus, this is what they are doing. Now some people say that Luke is perhaps being a little bit extravagant in this, how great things were. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done this before. Maybe you look back on a time in your life and you only see the good things. Like, wasn't it great? You may think about your college life and you think, well wasn't it great when I studied all the time and, and yet I was able to have all these parties and there was nothing awful happened in college, right? <laughs> this happens when we look back on something and some say that sometimes we may be doing something in the book of Acts, but I think there is a lot here for us to learn from about what mattered, Mm -hmm. about the priorities of these early communities and what they prioritized. And we see this at the very beginning, this verse 42 in Acts chapter two that I just read to you, and it says this again. They, meaning these first groups of people who are following Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayer. So it says right away, they devoted themselves. This literally means, in the Greek, it literally means that they held fast to or they persevered in. These are the behaviors that were most important to these early followers, these early communities. They were holding fast to these practices, they persevered in these practices. Did you notice? There are four essential practices in this verse. I don't know if you picked up on this. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they are learning. They are learning about what does it mean to follow Jesus. They may have been reading <coughs> the scriptures, perhaps, and so they are learning from one another. But then the next two things that were important to them were the fellowship, or you may have heard may have heard the Greek word called koinonia, gathering together, the bringing of the bread, and also to the prayers. So two of the four things that they highly prioritized were all about building relationships and being in relationship with one another. Later on, I learned this week in reading about that. Later in verse 44, we read this. It says, "All who believed were together and had all things in common. Now sometimes that's when they say that they had all things in common, it mean that they shared their resources. And that may be true. But also it's important I think to note that perhaps the author here is saying that the phrase all things in common was actually a phrase out of Greek philosophy and it meant that uh, around uh, fellowship and friendship. So there's a quote from one scholar. So the first quote Mark, if you could put that up there, it says all things in common indicates friendship and means this, that this is a fellowship of believers who share more than common beliefs and core values. They display a profound regard for one another's spiritual and physical well being as a community of friends. So, this is something that they held fast to, that they persevered in. So, I hope when we said earlier, when we introduced who we are as Urban Village, I hope that you are, in a sense, kind of on board of who we are and our core values being bold inclusive, and loose and irrelevant. Some of you may have gone to our website and read this is the things that we believe. And so I hope that you come here and are part of this community and that you're on board with these things, maybe not all of them. Sometimes I wish that everybody would just believe exactly what I believe It would make things so much easier, but that's not who we are in urban village. There are some people who push back and doubt and question and that's perfectly, that's who we are as a community. But being a community of faith, being a church, is more than just saying we believe in these values and we believe more than our mission statement. It means, as this quote says from Robert Wallace, scholar, it says that people gathered together, display a profound regard for one another, for everyone's spiritual and physical well-being, as a community of friends. This is something that the early Christians prioritized, not just praying and worshiping, all the things that we may think of, but also truly being a community and building up friendships with one another. This was a priority for them. Now, sometimes when you think about a church and you may think about urban village and you may think, well, we try to do this on a broad level, sometimes we may call this hospitality, and it can sometimes be um, not intentionally, I don't think people come into a church and say, oh, I, I can't wait to have some superficial relationships,
1: It's exactly what I
0: want in my do. life right now. I don't think we intend to do that, but sometimes it just kind of happens. We come and we're, and we're nice to each other, we're friendly to one another. I served in church in the suburbs before starting Urban Village, and one of the first Sundays I came up this really wonderfully uh, uh, pillar of the congregation, this um, senior citizen, this woman came up to me and she said, "Well, you just you should know that, that everyone in Deerfield knows that we are the friendly church." <laughs> and I always thought Did the churches get together and we vote on well, that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the friendly church? It's the Methodists. They are the friendly church. We are the unfriendly church. <laughs> they are the friendly church. I think so many people when they talk about. If you ever gather with church and say, "Well, what are your strengths as a community?" Almost always, the number one thing that we're friendly. Right, We are a friendly church. But I think sometimes that only gets at the superficial level. There's another quote I want to read from another scholar named uh, Gary Neil Hansen who says this. And so Mark, can you put this up there? There are churches that view themselves as friendly and welcoming, but within which a visitor will not be drawn into conversation, where even members can suffer silently, unknown and unloved. Devotion and fellowship means nurturing the habits of hospitality. It takes courage to notice a newcomer, helping him or her find a coat rack or a classroom. It takes initiative to invite someone to lunch or a cup of coffee after worship. So those early Christians, when they prioritized, when they said fellowship, koinonia, and the breaking of the bread, gathered together in fellowship and having meals with one another, this is a priority for us. We will be intentional about doing these things. And I fear sometimes communities only get at that superficial. Like we ask each other, How are you? And it's great. We share a, a minute or two conversation after worship, and all of that is good. But how often do we really prioritize those relationships and those friendships that we are hopefully making with one another? And this, these early Christians did just that. I want to read. In verses 46 and 47, this is a different translation than what you read, but verse 46 says this. This is a message translation. It says, they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful. I love that. They followed a daily discipline of worship and having meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful. What a wonderful thing to be disciplined about exuberance and joy. That they were intentional about doing these things, knowing that this is how you build yourself up in the thing. We have a, uh, a, a small group from our site that meets uh, monthly now. A few of us gather together. And we gather in our home and we have a meal together and share how things are going in our lives. The last time we met, we meet the first Sunday of the month. And the last time we met, you probably saw Tara as you walked in today. She was our greeter today. And Tara's husband, Evan, many of you know Evan. We were talking about, uh, Tara was saying how much she admires the way that Evan is very intentional about staying in touch with his friends. So sometimes Evan travels a lot, and when he's at the airport, he will go through. And sometimes I think I remember him saying this. He'll just kind of flip through his phone and kind of wherever it lands, he's going to call that person to really be intentional about building that and calling them. And I think I remember him saying, sometimes they're a little taken aback, like is something wrong? You know, (laughs) is something happening in your life? Why are you calling me? And Evan's like, I just you're my friend, (laughs) right? I want to be intentional about what that means to me. And I was so impressed with that and and how he was in touch about making sure I am staying in touch and calling my friends to see, how are you doing? Because I care about you. Can we, as a community of faith, as the church, be as intentional in making new friends in our community and sustaining those friendships and how they can build up our faith as well. I want to invite Melissa and Laura to come up here and have a seat. I'm going to do a little bit of an interview with them. You may have heard us talk uh, at Urban Village. We talk a lot about small groups. Uh, you can sit in one of those. Um, and we talk about life groups and small groups, but a, a new thing that we've been starting in recent months at Urban Village is what we're calling intentional discipleship relationships. We're still trying to think of a shorter way to say that. <laughs> uh, but for now, intentional discipleship relationships are what we're going with. Uh, and these are times when, uh, I'll give it a few more when um, individuals gather together intentionally, hence the name, intentional discipleship relationships, and uh, check in. And so I wanted, to, Melissa and Laura have been in that relationship for how long now? October. It's October. So, what I would like to <laughs> think, you don't have an anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could, just uh, tell me a little, or tell all of us a little bit about how this started, and then describe what the relationship entails. Like, what do you do, uh, and, yeah.
1: So I think it was back in, yeah, like the end of October, Erin, James Brown, and I had met for coffee, and she said, hey, do you have any interest in being an intentional discipleship relationship? And I was like, what? <laughs> and that have it sounded very, like, different to me to begin with, and something I had never thought about. Um, but the idea was really intriguing, because I was like, yeah, I definitely want to have a relationship with someone at a spiritual growth level. because." Um, like outside of UBC, a lot of my friends are not Christian. So um I I want to talk about God working in my life with one other person. Um, so that was how it started for me. And then Aaron said, Do you know anyone? And I was like, Oh Laura. It felt so weird to be like kind of like asking Laura out or something. <laughs> like, could Laura want to do that with me? Um because Laura and I had met and like shared a passion for environmentalism. So that was what really like prompted me in the beginning. Um, so then Aaron was like, I will reach out to Laura.
0: Well yeah, share a little bit your thoughts. Lauren tell us like what where do you meet? Like, do you have a, 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 a process that you follow every time you get together? Or what's a typical conversation like? Um uh, so yeah, I
1: got the email. From hearing, um the kind of like, What is this? Um <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> but I was telling Melissa at one point when I first started coming here, I sort of like at least five, six people came up to me and were like, have you met Melissa? <laughs> so I feel like was kind of paid for us to end up with. This. Um, but initially, um, I think it can be awkward reading up this one here. So we did start with like a book. Um, here you have a couple of different options for the officers over. So initially we'd meet up once a week brief chapter and then discuss it. Um but eventually it just came out to us, like hanging out and talking about um our lives and like what we're going through. it's a little bit harder to meet up now just like work schedules, but I think we're just really better about um keeping up and text each other and we can each other. How often are we meeting now? But um we just like text every week and um sometimes talk on the phone so I call Laura Go. So, um, but we had committed to at least eight weeks of meeting in person. And so that was like the initial commitment from Erin. And then she said, you know, can do what you want from there, but at least commit to the first eight weeks. Or we would just meet at Whole Foods and talk about the book.
0: How has it uh, helped your own faith life to be in this kind of intentional relationship? Mm-hmm.
1: So I agree with Laura that I feel like it sort of faded. Like, we haven't talked about that before, but I, I do feel like it is, because Laura and I started developing our relationship in October, and then in January um, I was just feeling overwhelmed with my life, and I just told everything to Laura, and she could identify basically all points of where I was, like, in multiple areas. Um, so it was just was so helpful to talk about how we feel like God is working, and then also that she had been through the same exact. Um, so I just feel like through October to January we were able to build and then build up that trust. Where then when I felt overwhelmed, I could go to her and um, she helped me so much. And she actually recommended another book to me um, that I read that was super empowering and encouraging. And I would never know about that if it not read it. So Laura, how has this helped your own big life? Um,
0: I think it helps helped me to feel more
1: connected to connect the about a year ago, um, it's kind of hard to. Um, your old church and your old talker, so to feel connected is more significant for so long. And also just to see how much you feel that God do a lot of things through life. I think has helped me to try to be more alive, because I am not. <laughs> I still have very much doubts and struggles, and just um, seeing how she works. Think, so I to
0: like having someone that you, as you said, kind of building that trust up and having somebody that you can kind of share all this, the, the stuff uh, the junk in our lives that when things aren't going the way we uh, wanted to or the questions and the doubts, it must be huge to be able to have someone they really share that with. Yeah, and just
1: To know that um, she's, like, to know Laura's not going to judge me mm-hmm. and then also that um, she wants to help me grow my- because
0: sometimes, you know, you talk to other friends and they are not looking at it from the physical aspect. So I really wanted that. <laughs> 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 well, great. Thanks for coming up. Let's give them a hand. <laughs> I wanted to invite them up just to give you a little bit of a, a hint of taste of what uh, that kind of intentional discipleship relationship can be about. And so we're always happy to uh, either work with you, uh, you can talk to Julie Dockery, is our discipleship uh, partner here at our site. And we mentioned Erin James Brown before, for those who don't know, Erin is our director of discipleship, and she works from all of Urban Village, so she's not always here on Sundays, but Julie is here most Sundays, and we'll be happy to talk with you. If you're interested in kind of building that kind of relationship with somebody else, and I think some of the things they said are, so important to me uh, and how they can help us in our own faith. I mean, prayer and Bible study, all that stuff is, obviously, is great. I'm not going to say otherwise. But to also, in our own faith life, begin to think about how can I make it a priority in my life to build the kind of relationship where I can go to him or her with all of the stuff in my life, the things that make me angry or anxious or sad or depressed. That you have someone else that you can share that with. And I think more often than not, it begins to deepen your own reliance on God in the same way. God is working through that other person. And I think sometimes we think, yeah, that would be great to have that person, but you know, we have lots of stuff going on in our lives. And we set it aside. And we may think there are other things in our faith lives that take a higher priority. But just to remind you again, those early Christians, those first followers, four things have said in verse 42, the things that they treasured. Prayer and learning, yes, but also fellowship and breaking bread together. Having meals with one another. That was a huge priority for them, and I think it must be and should be for us as well. And so I want us to begin to think about that and to think about how can I be more intentional about building that kind of relationship. And if you need help with that, again, talk to me or talk to Julie. So, so that you know, so Mark, we put that one more picture of this week, this is what I did. I want you to hold me accountable as well on my phone. This is a uh, uh, screenshot of my phone uh, and all the different groups I have on my phone. So this week, I've noticed intentional friendships. I just added that like three days ago, all right? And I went through my contacts and had to stop myself from saying, why do I have this person in my context? But anyway, uh, so I went through and just started putting people into this group. As somebody, could that be a person that I really want to be more intentional about and just to call them and say, how are you doing? Because they have meant a lot to me and I know that I can share things with them. And so often we get into the habit of either just a quick text or maybe a mention on Facebook or whatever. And we don't really see how are you doing? Who are the people in your lives? Can you create a group of sorts? And it doesn't have to be very big. I put in way too many. I'm gonna go back and start winnowing it down a little bit. People I really want to focus on. And then how will I be intentional about, I want you to hold me accountable to that. And I want you to really think about it as well. Who are people in your life that you really want to check in with? you want to build that relationship and friendship up. Or, if there's someone you want to do that in a new way, pray that you might have the courage to begin to do that, and we can play matchmakers for you as well, because as Melissa and Lauren said, it's a little awkward at times, and all that. But it also helps immensely when we get over that anxiety and fear, and begin to build that as well. Friends, this is a key, key part of who we are as followers of Jesus. This is not just something on the side, it's not just an add-on, it is crucial, it is foundational for who we are as followers of Jesus. I pray that you might have the courage and that you begin the discipline of deepening those relationships you have or begin building those relationships so that then you can grow deeper in your own faith life with Christ as well. Let's pray. Holy loving and gracious God, We read from the very beginning of the scriptures that you saw it was not good for the first human to be alone and so you created someone else so that they could be in a relationship. And I pray that you would help us to do that as well. I pray for those in the room today who are feeling lonely, who are feeling perhaps that they are the only ones here who feel that way. And I pray that we all have the courage to reach out and and truly be thoughtful about seeing how we are, how our souls are, how things are going in our life. That's what it means to be in community with one another. Lord, pray, may your Holy Spirit come upon this church, on all of our sites, but also on this site as well, that we might grow deeper in our relationship with you and with one another. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.